This is episode 212 with five-time Olympian third-place finisher at the 2016 New York City Marathon and the oldest American runner to ever qualify for the Olympics, Mr. Abdi Abdurrahman. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode features life lessons and wisdom from the black cactus himself, Abdi Abdurrahman. Abdi is 44 years old and just finished his fifth Olympics at Tokyo, and he's getting ready for the Boston Marathon in just over a month. We discuss the secrets to his longevity from training upgrades over time to the helpful way he mentally relates to the sport. We'll also hear more about how he relaxes, why it's important to have a life outside of running, and the ultramarathon he might run one day. I also want to welcome all of our new listeners. The Strength Running Podcast is one of the top three most popular running podcasts ever in the United States. My goal is to help you think more strategically about your training, make smarter decisions about how you run, and introduce you to new ideas from thought leaders in the physical therapy, strength training, coaching, sports psychology, and other areas to help you keep improving. After all, knowledge is a competitive advantage. Don't miss Strength Running's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning and our home base, strengthrunning.com. Since 2010, we've helped tens of thousands of runners around the world level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses on topics from strength to injury prevention, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you achieve your wildest ambitions as a runner. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. They help you analyze your body's biomarker data to give you a clear picture of what's going on inside you and then offer science-backed recommendations to improve any metrics that are outside of your unique optimal zones. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. We're also supported by Path Projects, which is fitting because as I'm recording this, I'm outfitted completely in Path gear. They make some of my favorite t-shirts, base liners, and shorts. They use innovative lightweight fabrics that are stretchy, they wick sweat, and help you worry about your run instead of your gear. I also love how durable their shorts are. You can check them out for yourself at pathprojects.com. All right, today I'm speaking with the man, the myth, the legend, the black cactus, the old guy on the track, <laughs> Mr. Abdi Abdurrahman. Abdi is the oldest American runner to qualify for the Olympics, the oldest male to podium at the New York City Marathon, and USA Track and Field's master's record holder in the marathon. He's a four-time USATF champ in the 10K and a five-time road racing champion at distances from 10 miles to the marathon. In other words, he's one of the best runners ever to represent the United States. But what you may not know is that Abdi is laid back, he's funny, lighthearted, kind, and one of the easiest people to talk to. That mentality is likely one of the many reasons why he's had such amazing longevity in this sport. And in this episode, we unpack that mentality and talk about balance, how his training has changed over the years, perfectionism, recovery, and 
his favorite meal after a marathon. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Mr. Abdi Abdurrahman. All right, Abdi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. So first, I want to congratulate you on running in your fifth Olympics and the publication of your new book that I have right here next to me. It is an exciting time to be you, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's, it's a great time. You know, it's been a long, been a long journey, long journey. It's still going. It's not the end yet. So, you know, just just finished my fifth Olympics and I'm already thinking about the sixth Olympics. So, you know, why not? Just I, I just took one year at a time. We're in 2021, I'm thinking about it. So hopefully I'll be thinking this way next year, 2022. And then by the time, you know, 2023 comes, I'll be ready for the trials. <laughs> I love it, man. We are less than one month out from the Tokyo Olympic Marathon. You're already talking about running in your sixth Olympics. And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that, your longevity, something I'm sure a lot of people you know, want to talk to you about, but you are the oldest American runner to ever make the Olympic team. And to have that kind of a lifespan in, in this sport, a sport that is fairly difficult, I think is just an achievement all by itself. And I want to talk about the training side of this, but also the psychological reasons why you've been so successful for so long. So what about your mentality do you think enables you just to keep pushing year after year? Uh, you know, and that's a great question, to be honest. Like, and just to be honest, you know, there's, there's one thing about me. I don't, you know, I don't do the for the glory, for the fame, for everything that come with it with the sports, to be honest. Like, you know, and, and running sports, you know, like running in general, it's not the most lucrative sports that you could play as a player. You know, just for me. The first thing is passion. I love running and something that I get joy out of it, to be honest, even if I don't get paid for it and even if I don't get sponsored deal. And to be honest, the truth is a lot of people see me making teams, but, you know, the, the financial side of it is not that great. You know, just for me, I get kicked out of like running and sweating and accomplishing the goals that I set up for myself, not for anybody else, to be honest, like that. I don't get rewarded, you know, just by uh, the reward that I get out of it is making the Olympic team. And that's which is the best thing for me. And I never told that until today. I never told any, like, you know, people think, oh, the RB, he been at the five Olympic team. He must be like, uh, like confiscated this. You know, it's, but you know what? Thank God I, you know, I made good life out of it. You know, just I invested right, you know, just did something for myself. But at this point of my career, a lot of the shoe company look at you like they say, hey, you know, old guy, you can make it. And for them, it's sane. But for me, it's motivational. So I just, I always say, okay, I'm going to let you, I'm, I'm going to show you that I can do it. And that's just, and for me as an athlete and still believing that I can do that, the biggest motivation that you could get when someone that tell you you cannot do something that you think you could do it and you're capable of doing it. And like, you know, my body allowed me to do it, you know, to be honest, I have a struggle with injury in my life, but, and when I get injured, you know what is the part of the sports, it come with the territory. Yeah. And that the idea that someone telling you that you can't do something is even more fuel to the fire is something that really resonates with me. I remember as a freshman in high school, someone in my family told me that, oh, you'll never break five minutes in the mile. And I was so angry in the best possible way. And within a year, I had accomplished that goal. And, and it's so true that 
If someone tells you you can't do something, there are some people who might listen to that. And there are some people who just want to prove that person wrong. And I think you're such a great example of someone who doesn't care what other people are saying. You're just going to go out there and train and do your best. And, and I think that, um, you know, you, you credit giving, having balance in your life as something that helps you just keep training so hard. I mean, what kind of things are you interested in off the track and off the road? Yeah, you know, just to be honest, like, you know, running, it just, it's one of those sports, like uh, a lot of people as like, you know, to be honest, you know about the distance running a lot, like in running community when like, and we have that perception of uh, like, when you become a professional distance runner, people expect you to, to live that certain kind of lifestyle, you know, just like going to bed early, you know, eating some kind of different food, eating healthy food. And, you know, people just say, so, you don't have to change your lifestyle, to be honest. Like, you have to take care of your body. You have to do the right thing. You have to get the right amount of rest. But when you, when you are outside of your running thing, you have to find something else that take out of your mind the running. Instead of thinking about running day and night and ever, you have to have a friend outside of running. You know, just do something else. And that's what... And that's, I have to give it like a lot of my friends a big credit. You know, a lot of my friends are not runners. I have friends who, who are like professional baseball players, some friends who are like, you know, basketball players and some friends who are just normal professional people who have like a five to eight jobs, you know, those are, and those are the people that I hang out with. And, and when I'm with them, I'm free of running. I just, you know, I don't think about it. And, you know, we do different things. We go hiking, we do like, we play flag football and those are the people who are close to me. And that's what, like, you know, I think, like, motivates me. So, and then when I come back to training, I have fresh mind. I haven't been thinking about running, so I'm motivated to, to train. I love that because I think runners can typically be somewhat type A. You know, they, they love pouring over all their training stats and obsessing over their training log. And many of us eat, sleep, and breathe running 24-7. And, and I love that you have this other side of you. You have you have a normal life outside of running where you can go hang out with friends who have normal jobs. And I think that that's really helpful in giving you perspective because running of so many other sports can be really overwhelming if you're thinking about it all the time because it's it's kind of a lifestyle, you know, you're training every single day, it can be really hard and and finding that time I think is really important for you. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 it's been, and it's been a big part of my success because my friends, they don't know anything about running. For me, when I do a race, if I win or if I finish 10th or even 20th, that they would be, they would be still be happy for me. They still encourage me. They say, wow, that's such amazing. You run that fast, even though I came in 10th. But they don't know anything about running. They just know about time. That's it. They don't know how well I did, where I finished. For me, for, like for them, they have before me finishing even top 10, top 20, just, and that's like, you know, just like if I have our friends who are like all my friends, we have our always little circle friends. They always know how they, the first thing they will tell you, man, sorry about your race. Uh, you know, it didn't go the way you wanted, but you will be back. You'll be back stronger than ever. You know, that's, no one want to hear that. Like after like, you know, you, you don't have a best performance, you know, that's like, and that's what makes it different for me. You know, just my friends always happy for me, regardless of the outcome of the race. Unless I DNF and they told, they ask me if I'm okay, is everything okay? Did you pull the mouse? Or, you know, just like did, what happened, you know, they're always happy for me, regardless of the outcome. 
Yeah, it seems like that kind of support, it's almost like unconditional support. You know, it doesn't matter if you're first or 20th. It seems like that can be really helpful with the mental recovery or the psychological recovery from racing and training. Is that right? Exactly. And, and that's, the, yes, some people don't understand that though. Like, you know, like you finish, you finish like, okay, I finished 10th or let's see, oh, I finished the before Olympics, I finished 15th. They say, oh, wow, they make, they like, they make you appreciate what you accomplish is something, something like great because they say, Oh, you are the 15th person on the world. Or you are like, I remember them telling me when I finished six at the world, uh, 10K championship in, in Osaka in 2007, you know, they say, wow, you're the sixth fastest guy in the world. You know, things like that, you know, give you encouragement and, and it will never make you give up, you know, just keep you even work harder. Yeah. I think maybe one of the other things that that has really helped you have such a great relationship with the sport is that you do place a lot of value on fun. And you've been called funny, you've been called eccentric, you've been called even goofy. Do you think your ability just to have a good time has helped you have such a long career in a sport where usually runners' careers don't go on for this long? Yeah, you know, just uh i think like me just being an open guy just you know happy you know i don't take anything like i do take life seriously you know at the end of the day but running is not a life to be honest run i'm not i'm a more than a runner you know just like a running is just a part of me you know i don't let the running consume me or control me or overtake my life or how i how you know just like i don't go to a race suddenly nervous and i cannot even talk to people i cannot socialize to people i say like for me the hardest part is Training for a race, that's the hardest part. When I go to a race, that's when I that's when I need to have fun. I want to react with my other runners, you know, just see friends, you know, just have a good time. And, you know, and I think that's a and to be honest, like I'm here, I'm still running, and I think that's a it's been a big part of my career, you know, just being open-minded. I just if the race goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't go well, I say, hey, go back to the drawing, just go back, train a little harder, just you know, have fun. <laughs> it's just incredible. You seem like someone who is not a perfectionist when it comes to training and, you know, just the whole idea of your running. You know, you're not really dogmatic about really anything, whether it's certain workouts or, or mileage or anything. It, it, are you a perfectionist or, or are you not? Uh, well, am I perfection? I don't know. I don't like to be honest. Like I'm not the I'm I, I am perfection, not not to the point where I compare all workouts. You know what? And I say, you know, I don't live for what I did yesterday or day before yesterday. I live for today, and tomorrow is not given. So to be honest, like something that you did yesterday, you cannot compare what you're doing today. To be honest, and that's just life in general. Just you cannot go look back. You know, just like. If you can do that and you can you can make a lot of change, your life will be much easier than it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For a lot of people, for all of us, because like we can learn from mistakes. But at the end of the day, like for me, a training, doing a workout, if I didn't do a certain way, that's not a mistake. It's not something I learned from. I say, you know what? That workout get me to that point. What can I do to improve myself today? And I never look back. I never look back what I did like a two, three years ago, you know, and then just say what I, what I, what I'm doing today. And if I, if I do that, I wouldn't be here with you today because the workout that I did in like 2000, 2005, 2006, is not nowhere near what I'm doing now. 
because that time I was much younger. I was faster. I was stronger. Today, I'm 44 years old. I'm strong, but a different way. I'm smarter. I can do certain things that I never used to do, you know, just like a part of the, the rest, the recovery, you know, just like little things. Do you think looking back on your training and sort of getting caught up in that loop of living in the past or thinking about those great races that you've had previously or even the great workouts that you've had, do you think that can send runners into sort of a a negativity spiral where they're always thinking about how, you know, I'm not as good as I used to be or I can't do today what I used to be able to? Do you think that can be problematic for runners? Oh, yeah, definitely. 110%. Yes, because you're not what you were two, three years ago. You're not the same person. You you maybe three years older, three years wiser. At the end of the day, everything's changed. And if you're doing the same thing that you were doing three years, then you need a change in your life. So it just can send us sometimes the wrong message. You should be, sometimes you should expect to be better. Now, how do you know when it's time to really be super serious about your training and and not take it lightly and not goof around? And when is it okay just to have a more lighthearted attitude and, and be more playful? Because, you know, I, I have struggled with this in my running career. So I have a selfish reason for asking this question. I was always the runner that was goofing off until the gun went off at the race, joking around with my teammates and, you know, teasing some of my competitors and, and I had some coaches occasionally get on my case about it. But for me, it was always almost like a coping mechanism. And, and I was able to really get serious when the gun went off. And, and of course, like during workouts and things. But how are you able to differentiate like the playful side and the, the having fun, the joking around, the telling funny stories with, okay, we actually need to be serious right now and put in the work? Yeah, for me, it's just like a... Uh, always like to have, I have like I love to have a good time, you know, just play around with my friend, and that's also the part of. Uh, to be honest, for me, it's a part of training, you know, just keeping it, keeping it simple, you know, not taking anything too serious. But when the gun goes off, with the workout starts, you want to put 110 percent effort, you know, you don't want to like, just like you know, just go through the emotion or just say, okay, I'm just gonna finish. Make sure you did it right. Make sure you hit your like every time all your time, your targets, everything for your splits, you know. It's just for me, like, uh, you know, when I'm getting ready for a race, like uh, three or four months out, I usually just commit that and I say, okay, this is my goals and this is what I wanted. But at the end of the day, and I don't let that. But I set myself schedule. I say, you know, this is the time to train and this is the time to hang out with my friends and just to have a normal life, you know. That's, and that just keeps me balanced instead of just being like a training, 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 home, home, home. No. Yeah, I see a lot of uh, elite runners, you know, especially when they're at training camps, and they really are eating, breathing, sleeping, running. You know, it's it's video games during the day while they're recovering from their morning run before their afternoon run. Do you try to stay away from those kinds of environments where, you know, sort of like your entire day is focused around your training? Or do you occasionally do that during peak training blocks? I do that, but at the end of, and, and also like, uh, and that's the one thing, like uh, you have to have a group of people who like doing the same thing that you do. I go to training camp, like, and if, if I say I don't go to training camp and I don't focus on training, it would be wrong. It was, it, it would be me con- contradicting myself. 
But like when we go to training camp, we go like as a group of guys, but we do some fun stuff. We go to the weekend, we go out to eat, we go to town, you know, just so we play games. Like uh, even though like and only when we serious about training is when we training, like the rest of the day, the recovery time, we spend a lot of time together, you know, just go to the stores, play games, you know, just like a, we just environment, you know, just not like talking about running, but we just spend a quality time together. Yeah, I think that quality time together is great for just bonding and, and you know, making sure that you have a strong bond with someone so that when you're in a workout, when you're a little bit more vulnerable, that, that bond really helps in those situations. Yeah, and, and that get me through the past few years, to be honest, you know, just me going to Ethiopia training, you know, just focus, you know, just spending time together and just having the same goals and and having also like, you know, your friends telling you like, hey, you could do it, you know, just like ah, your shape. Just you always want to hear that great things, you know, when you're doing a workout. If someone tells me, oh, you look great, you will take that thing with you, those momentum, you'll take that, you believe that. Yeah. Oh, man, you're giving me flashbacks to my college racing career when I just had so much fun hanging out with my friends, running every day. It seems very similar in that we just loved being around the people that were in our running lives. And I think that's super valuable. Um, Abdi, let's talk a little bit about the physical side of your longevity, because I think your psychological approach, your mental approach to running is just so healthy. You know, it really is apparent that that's a big reason why you've been at it for so long. And hell, you'll probably make that sixth Olympic team. But <laughs> on the physical side of things, you know, you've talked a little bit about, you know, some of the recovery things are a little bit different. You're not doing the same workouts. You're not as strong, but you are stronger in different ways. You know, what kind of changes have you had to make to your training maybe in the last five to 10 years as you've gotten a little bit older? Uh, you know, like I'm different. There's a lot of changes that happened, especially the last five, six years, you know, the workouts, you know, the intensity, you know, like I used to do a lot of speed workout, the 400s. I don't do as many 400s as I used to do. You know, I used to do like a, I mean, just, it's funny. I used to do like a 20 of them, you know, 60, you know, 59, but you know, I'm, I'll be lucky if I get to do 67 to 68, you know, like a seven seconds lower. And, and, you know, and, and I understand that, you know, and that's not like, you know, when people, when they cannot do the thing that they used to do, that's when the mental part comes in. That's when you think you're not good enough anymore. You slower. They don't understand. They're slower, but they're strong in the other way because you have all those training, all those years in your body. If you could maintain that 67, 68, you can still run a great races. They just have to remember that the races are not run like a 61 or 65, you know, just like if you can run 67, 20 of them, one minute rest, you're much stronger. Just on, mar on marathon, you don't need to run like, you don't need to run like 62 or 61, 400 meter repeat. So, and that, and, and, and that just like, that's the difference, you know, just on my long runs are, you know, longer, but they slower. You know, just there's a lot of fun stuff. Just I'm, I'm I'm having more fun. You know, I'm not hurting anymore. You know, just like I'm not going out like doing a tempo, ten mile tempo run, like doing like a four forty, four thirty five. You know, I'm I'm doing five minutes. Much funner. I'm enjoying more. So it seems like the intensity or or the pace of your workouts is a little bit slower these days. Have you had to compensate in any way for that? Are you running more mileage or doing more strength training? I mean, is is there something else that is 
I, I don't want to say taking the place of that speed work you're no longer doing, but is there anything else that you might be doing to compensate a little bit? Yeah, in the gym, I spend a lot of time in the gym, you know, just like good. I, I never used to do the weight room when I was even younger, when I was running 5,000, 10,000 meters, and I barely did any weight rooms, to be honest. I started doing weight, going to the gym in 2016, actually, to be honest, right after I missed the Olympic trials, that's when I realized, and I said, you know what, I'm stronger, but I need to make my body even stronger so I can do less. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. You get stronger so you can do less. I kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. What, what, what does your gym work look like? If you had to kind of briefly describe it, what do you focus on? I, I usually focus like a lower body, you know, my hamstrings, I focus the hips, you know, just like on the back, you know, just like a, just running like a good posture running. That's it. You know, just like your core, you know, you got to have a good core to be a good runner. So, yeah. Core and lower body. Can't go wrong with that. The fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, I would do want to talk a little bit more about recovery. Uh, are you doing anything different with trying to help yourself recover after a workout or does that post run period still look kind of the same as it did 10, 20 years ago? It looks the, actually, it looks like everything the same, to be honest, the recovery, you know, I still take like at least like, a, I always take like one day off. Even when I was young, I still do through this day, you know, just and usually that's usually a Wednesday usually for me, like uh, when I'm in the middle of heavy training, like when I have a structure, like most of the time, like <laughs> this is the funny thing, like most of the time my my training is not structured to be honest, like as a runners, like you just want to maintain, you know, just a, there's a point of the year when you're not doing any workouts, you're not getting ready any races, you're just maintaining fitness. So you're just doing like five, six, ten you know, just whatever you can, just just maintain fitness. But when I'm getting ready for the race, like a three months, four months out, and I know what marathon I'm doing, that's when I get structured training where it's like every day is designed, you know, there's a, not design, but like what you have to do, like today, this, this, this. And and then every seven days, there's a rest day. For me, usually it's Wednesday, just like Wednesday is easy. If I can run, I run 34. 30 minute easy or just not even it just depends how i'm feeling do you do anything special on those days if you don't go for a run is there any kind of mobility work or cross training or anything or no, no, just if i don't go run there's a reason that why i didn't go run so i don't do nothing i just just relax and spend some time with friends that's it just do something else outside of running you just relaxed. You know, it was interesting, Abdi. I had a conversation with uh, a science journalist about the science of recovery. And she said it was really interesting that today recovery is thought to be something that you do as opposed to years and years and years ago. Recovery was something that happened when you weren't doing anything. And so instead of buying all these fancy recovery tools and spending a day at, you know, the trainer's office doing a bunch of stuff, it seems like you are really focusing on one of her pillars of recovery, which is relaxation and that rejuvenating social time that you get with friends just to sit back and laugh and tell stories. And it really struck me as, as a very effective way to mentally and physically recover as opposed to, you know, putting on the the fancy compression boots and, you yeah, know, going in the sauna. You know, you might like, and, and I definitely agree with her to 110% because at the end of the day, you might be thinking you're recovering, but your mind is still working about training. You're thinking about training. You're thinking about like, just how can you get better? But like, 
and I'm not scientist, but for me, and it's something that I just used to do all the time. It's just like for me, if I'm just my recovery is just forget about running, just go do something not related to running, just going out to eat my friend, just hanging out, you just just do something else. Just don't even think about running. And that's like, and then next day when I come back, I'm refreshed. I haven't been thinking about it. Just that's it. Yeah, it's that refreshing aspect to it that I think is really powerful. Uh, Abdi, has your mileage changed over the years? Or as I read that you were a relatively low mileage runner for a long time, and then you know you eventually started running about a hundred miles a week, which you know sounds like a lot, but for a professional marathoner, might actually be on the low end of things. What are you doing now? How does that look? Uh, you know, it's still the same. I think you hit it down the head. You know, I was out in college, 10K, 5K. I was like, you know, 70, 80 miles a week. You know, just when I started professional marathoning, I was like, you know, 90. <laughs> just like past couple of years, I started doing 100 miles. And I think that works perfect for me, you know, just like a, And thank God for me, I never have any, like, you know, any big injuries, you know, where I have to go where I have to go under the knife, you know, just have surgery. You know, I've been running 20 plus years and I never, never, ever went under the the knife or have a surgery or, you know, just the, the worst injury that I have is stress fracture, which is normal for all runners. And if you, and my usual stress fracture usually take like five to six weeks to heal. So, you know, just thank God. And, you know, the mileage is perfect working for me, the 100 plus miles a week, you know, just, and that's why I have less miles than a lot of the guys. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe why you've been running for a lot longer than them too. <laughs> now you also started running kind of later in life too. I think you started running when you were 18 or 19 years old. Do you think that had an impact on you having a little bit more longevity in the sport compared with some of your peers? Yeah, because I started running like almost eight years before some of the guys start running middle school, high school, you know, youth, you know. You, you track me, you know, but for me, I never have all those years. You just cut like almost like you can, you can easily cut like a 10 to eight years out of my career. So, <laughs> oh man, that's great. So Abdi, I want to end with, uh, a couple quick questions. These are fun. These are, are hopefully fairly quick. Uh, and, and they're just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better before we wrap today. So after you've raced a marathon, what's your go-to meal? Do you have a favorite? Oh, burger, man. Burger and fries. Burger Something and fries. Fries, extra salty fries. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. That's mine too. I, I want a, a bacon cheeseburger with fries and hopefully a beer. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, are you into a certain TV show or series right now? Uh, I watch like for me, like to be, I'm not a big TV guy, but I've been watching this on uh, Netflix show, the queen of the South. Okay. I haven't heard of it. What's it about? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, this young lady who become, uh, the leader of the cartel in Mexico. So, and she live in the U S and she kind of controls like everything in the South, Southwest region and then moved to the Chicago area. It's just kind of, it's pretty interesting. It's kind of like cartel move, like cartel, like a Mexican cartel. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that out. Uh, Abdi, do you think you'll ever run an ultra marathon? I definitely would love to. I'm looking forward to it, actually, because I have a lot of good friends who run uh, who run ultra marathons. Uh, you know, like I have one of my good friends, like, you know, he's real, real nice guy, Jim Wons- Gene Wormsley. Yeah. 
I know Jim real well, so I see him all the time. So one day I went around with him since he came to the marathon. So for me, just to say thank to him, I have to go around with him. Maybe the Western 100. I don't know. Oh boy, you're not you're not going to choose an easy race for your first ultra, are you? <laughs> we'll see. Then. <laughs> at least I'll give it a shot. You know, just I have so much respect for those guys and what they do. So yeah. Yeah, those those races are pretty crazy. I was just up in Leadville where the Leadville 100 is held. And, and that's another wild one because you're playing with a lot of altitude and elevation changes. It's just a crazy race. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I would be good in like a kind of like a modern good course. I'm not like, I'm good on uphill, but I'm not good on downhill running. So I don't know, just I'm, I'm gonna have to do some little research about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, whenever it happens at some point, maybe after your sixth Olympics, we are going to be very much uh, interested in seeing how you do. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to so we'll see when. So Abdi, you've run five Olympics. Do you have a favorite out of all five that you've competed in? Well, you know, to be honest, every Olympic is special, to be honest, like uh, just making an Olympic team is just like it's everybody's dream. And for me to make five of it, you know, it just, it's been amazing, amazing five Olympics. If I have to choose one of them, I will, I don't know, man, Tokyo was just, I don't know, for Tokyo, I will, I don't know, Tokyo was just, I think Tokyo would have been the best, but it's just for the COVID-19, I have to give it to Australia, the first Olympics in in Sydney, 2000 Olympics. I think that was amazing. That was one of the best Olympics, to be honest. So, yeah. Is that because it was your first Olympics? Did it hold a special place for you? You know, it was my first Olympics. And also that's like, I ran the 10K and I ran against Haile, Gabriel Haile Selassie. I ran against a Polter God. I run a lot of great athletes. I run like a Takaoka, the guy from Japan, you know, just, and for me, that's a special place because I remember just seeing one of my friends, Takaoka, who's, who I ran with him in Tokyo. And the, whenever they see me, they don't believe I'm still running. So they say, what, Abdi, what is this wrong? But they totally look different. I look the same. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's so special. Running is an anti-aging drug for sure. Yeah. Now, was Tokyo special for you because it was your fifth Olympics? And, you know, I, I think there there were a lot of people who didn't think you might qualify for the team. And then you did. And, you know, it was just kind of like like we were talking about before, you know, a very motivating thing is when people tell you you can't do something and then you work so hard to achieve it anyway. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, to be honest, like that's just kind of motivational. But there's some, there's some places that a lot of people have the right to say that because they don't know me but there's and there's also some some of my friends some people I know real well like especially Weldon Johnson from lesron.com you know he I, I known Weldon since 1998 you know to be honest and for him like every year he counts me out that's the one thing just he said oh I've just done this just like, how are you gonna do this every Olympic since since 2004 Olympics he always said oh I'm the you know maybe he will make it just he would be out I just and I prove him wrong every year. I thought maybe he will pick me when maybe he will pick me when I'm 70 years old. So he will say, Oh, I'm just gonna make the team. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably thinks uh, every four years he's finally going to be right, but you keep proving him wrong. You've you have like two decades of being right on him. <laughs> yep, you know, to be honest, I'm like I've been to five Olympic trials. I'm five out of five. That's right. You can't argue against that. Yeah, well, I if I that, you know, the 2016, I missed the Olympic trials and I get injured. I got injured like two weeks after the trials. I had a like K1 
calf from Apurimarvan. But I believed and I believe that and I believe through this day I would have been a six-time Olympian, to be honest. Because like if you look at it that day, what happened? I didn't run the trials, but I came back that same year and I finished third at the New York City Marathon. So I finished the podium world major. I could have finished the third at the trials. That's what I believe. And I was, you know, I was in good shape. Nothing against all the guys who make the team, but they just do it to pull it. One of them would have stayed home. <laughs> I love that level of confidence, Abdi. Um, do you think it's harder to race a marathon or write a book? Oh, man, I think uh, write a book. Really? I was hoping you might say marathon because then then I'd never want to write a book. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I to, to be honest, like a marathon, you can just run for two hours and you might be in a, you might be in a like kind of like little un- uncomfortable. If you have having a good day, you will never be an uncomfortable. So you will have a great day. Just marathon is, marathon is two things. You either having a great day or you're just not having a good day. If you have a great day, you will never remember you run a marathon because you will be so happy. You accomplish your goals, everything. When I run the trials, I just, even though, I don't know, that, that race, I could have been second place easily, but I was just so happy just to make the team. And that was the goal. So, you know, just, but the book is something that you have to do for a few months. You have to do research. You have to do a lot of questions. Man, there's a lot of things that goes through. Yeah, it's almost like the book is sort of like the training process. More goes into it than the race itself. Yep. Uh, finally, Abdi, maybe our most important question, what's next for you? What are you planning in the next couple months that we can look forward to as fans? Well, I'm running Boston Marathon. Now we're talking. Yep, I'm running Boston Marathon on October 11th. So I'm, I'm getting ready for that. You know, just uh, it's not the easiest thing to do, but hey, why not? I'm always up for the challenge. I'm back to training. Things are going well. Uh, you know, just I have a little hiccup here and there, but that's part of the marathon. So if if everything was perfect, maybe you're not, you're not doing anything right. So you're doing something wrong. So, yeah. When you said it's not an easy thing to do, you meant run the Olympic marathon in early August and then about two months later, a little bit more than two months later, go run another marathon. That's what you mean by it's not easy, right? Yeah. And also, it's easy to do it, you know. It's, I, I wouldn't say it's easy, but when you're trying to do the level I want to do it, or like certain people want to do it at the time you want to run, and how hard you want to train for it, it's not the easiest thing to do. It. But if I want to just to do it and run like two thirty, two twenty, I can do that. But I'm not in, you know. I'm in it like to compete, to finish the highest. I maybe I'm in it to win it. Yeah. And you're training to win the race. You're not training to finish second place. So you know. And I'm not trying to run as many marathons as I can. So I'm trying to run as fast as I can. I love it. Now, what was your recovery like after Tokyo? Because it seems like, you know, with you wanting to run another marathon just over two months later, you know, did you have to to cram more recovery into shorter time periods? Do you do anything differently in this kind of a scenario? How did you think about that? You know, it was difficult to be honest. Like, and also what makes it difficult was when we run the marathon on August 8th, we have to be out of the country by August 9th. So I ran the race August 8th, August morning, I woke up. So I was traveling for two days almost because I went to from, from Sapporo to Tokyo and I left it like next day, Tokyo, but almost like at night, by the time, by the time I get to San Francisco it was almost like a, a day and a half later. And then I have like seven hour delay in San Francisco. So, you know, just I was almost traveling almost two days. So, you know, that 
kind of mess up with my recovery because like and I start I got to Tucson on Monday and then I tried to go for a jog on actually I did jog on Friday was good Saturday I was going to go try again I have a little ha- tight hamstring that that's like almost naked me for almost like it's just like sometimes you just have to listen to your body. Your body is just telling you something's not right. You know, traveling for two days, running a marathon, and you're just sitting on the plane for almost like a 12 hours. So my hamstring was just tight, and I didn't get massage. So it just it took me almost a week, a little over a week, just to get back to normal. To, but I was doing a cross training, bike, and stuff like that. So, yeah. I love hearing how you kind of think about a very challenging recovery scenario, which is you know, how do you recover from a marathon as quickly as you can because you want to get back into training? Well, at the same time, you're traveling halfway across the world right after a marathon. And that just seems impossible. Yeah. And you're sitting for 12 hours on a plane. So it just, it wasn't, it was not the easiest, but you know, hey, it's just part of life. That's what I say. You know what? I'm here again. I'm training. So I'm healthy. All's good. Get ready. So, you know, hey, it's just another race, even though it's a Boston Marathon. I love it. Abdi, your perspective on things is is just so infectious. And, and I think it puts everyone around you at ease. Thanks for spending all this time with us today. And congrats again on your book. Uh, we'll have links to it and your social media profiles on the show notes on Strength Running so our li- listeners can connect with you. Abdi, thanks so much for being here and being you. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Jason, and have a great day, brother. You too, buddy. Thanks. That's all, folks. This was such a fun, light conversation with one of the world's best. Abdi is a pro on and off the track, and I just feel incredibly fortunate to have had this conversation and bring it to you today. If you liked what you heard, a review on Apple Music would make my day. I also want to thank our sponsors who are helping make this show possible. Inside Tracker wants to help you do what you love for life. They want you to be a successful, healthy runner for decades. Inside Tracker was founded back in 2009 by a variety of different scientists in the aging, genetics, and biometrics specialties. Their goal was to help you analyze your body's data and get a firm idea of how well you're responding to training. Because understanding your body's biomarkers, from stress hormones to testosterone to vitamin D, can help you figure out if you're overtraining or you're optimally training. But the best part is that they give you personalized optimal ranges for each of these biomarkers and a whole host of ways to improve them through diet, lifestyle, or exercise changes. I've personally gotten two ultimate tests from them in the past, and I have my third all scheduled. For a limited time, you can get 25% off any test at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. This is a big deal, guys, because these tests are admittedly not cheap. Stack the odds in your favor and give yourself every advantage with a personalized blood test. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to save 25% today. We're also supported by Path Projects. I love a lot of things about Path, from my amazing shirt that has mountains on it to the shirt that I'm wearing right now that has an elevation-style map on it, to the fact that they separate their shorts and their baseliners into two distinct products. 
That means there's no chafing. And with different lengths and fabrics of both of these, you can really customize the type of short that you'd like to wear based on your personal preferences and the type of run that you're about to start. They use proprietary fabric that's incredibly durable. I've had shorts for years now and they still work and function so incredibly well. Their stuff is stretchy, it is moisture wicking. And if you ever see me around Denver on the weekend, you're probably gonna see me in my Path Sykes five inch shorts. They're my weekend shorts, I call them my adventure shorts. You can check out all of their gear from shorts, baseliners, shirts, and headwear at pathprojects.com. All right, that is our show for today. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because you won't want to miss next week's nutrition myth-busting episode. Talk to you soon. 